Don't believe the hype. Read the type. This is Type Beast. Take a look. It's in a book. It's Type Beast, baby. Yo, man, what are you doing? That's not the intro. What are you talking about? I was just trying to live up my dream of wanting to be on Reading Rainbow. Man, LeVar Burton was the only black man I saw reading growing up, so I thought I'd give it a shot. Basically, Type Beast uh, was a, a term I coined in an article I wrote, Why Darnie Can't Read, off of my blog post, High End Theories. And so, it basically means a bibliophile, a person who loves books. Uh, so, you know, kind of playing with the term Hype Beast. A Hype Beast is a person who is concerned with materialism. And hyped about materialism for the sake of clout. Um, so then you have type piece, a type of beast, a person who's cons um, uh, concerned with uh, literature and what that literature conveys. It's it's basically us giving the listener a little bit more of the sixth sense support. Uh, so during our study period and prepare, preparing for episodes you know we're reading books and so we thought we'd let the listener listen in on what those conversations uh, sound like on our first episode welcome back 39 we, we mentioned you know we were going to introduce some new stuff uh some new content some, we also mentioned potentially putting some stuff like this behind uh or on a, a you know supporting listeners type of a page uh we mentioned patreon as an option um right now you know, I think we're leaning towards uh, the Jordan Peterson platform, I'll call it. It's called ThinkSpot Inc. Uh, the website's ts.today um, or www.ts.today. But ThinkSpot, uh, so the headline is ThinkSpot is a collaborative community where individuals can explore and exchange ideas in a thoughtful and respectful manner. Um, the platform is an intellectual playground for censorship-free discourse. Um, uh, so right now we're signed up for the beta. I just got an email in the last little bit to, to get on the platform soon. It sounds like it's coming. So, you know, before we were to launch something like Patreon, um, ThinkSpot seems to be the right solution for us. Um, you know, when, if, and when we do get on there, we'll probably do an episode a little bit more as to why ThinkSpot. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I think it comes down to the fact that because we hold some views that are contradictory to mainstream, you know, liberal thinking, um, you know, we want to protect ourselves against censor censorship. Uh, and, you know, maybe we have nothing to worry about. But uh, the other aspect of it is I've always said, you know, the number one way you vote is with your money. Uh, and so, you know, contributing to a platform like this uh, is something that is a matter of us voting with what we think is the correct way to engage ideas. Um, so that's a little bit of context as to, you know, what what we're going to do with this. But but at the end of the day, before it even gets there, um, you know, we want the listener to, to engage with this, you know, new content and, and let us know what they think. So let's uh, jump into the first conversation. So, what are you reading right now, bro? Well, I'm reading Do More Better, A Practical Guide to Productivity by Tim Challies. Nice. I like Tim. 
No, no, his stuff is uh pretty practical and solid. I got a a bunch of books from uh Tim Challies. I got the one on um, biblical theology, the visual theology books. Uh, I got the one on porn, and I think that's it. True. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read Detox. much. Detox. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I've read a bunch of his blogs. I mean, we 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 like the Ninth Commandment stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, he's very meticulous. I find with his the way he goes through things, which I like. Mm-hmm. I'm very practical. So this book. Mm-hmm. It's very practical. It's about, mm, oh, wow, like about 100 pages. It's not bad at all. Uh, yeah. Would you say it was an easy read? Yeah, it was an easy read. Uh, get through it uh, in a day if you're working hard through it. It, has, it comes with worksheets. If you're a, if you're, so, if you're so a you, nerd. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, you know what? It's one of those things where um, do more better. A practical guide to productivity. So it's one of those things where like, okay, my workflow is a mess for those of you who are creatives or you're a student or stay at home mom or whatever the case may be, you know, your, you know, your workflow is a mess. Uh, you need to get this book, uh, get through this book in the day. So the next day is a bit more organized in the present day. If, if that's how you want to look at it. Um, but it's a very short read. So you can, that's why you would want to read it in a day. You don't want to be like stretching it out over a month while you're still disorganized. (laughs) You're reading it to be more organized. Yeah. You don't want it to be added to your disorganization. Yeah, right, right, right. So so it comes with worksheets, which is very helpful and it helps you uh, work through. Are they in the book or like is it a a supplement? Uh, No, no, no. You you would have to go to his uh, his website and then you just download it and um, and, and print it. Uh, So basically uh, his whole premise is – it's kind of like an unconventional way of looking at productivity. So he centers, you know, you know, being productive in God. Right? So he says, now we come to it. What is productivity? Productivity is effectively stewarding your gifts, talents, time, energy, and enthusiasm for the good of others and to the glory of God. So ultimately, he's basically saying, um, doing good. Productivity is all about, and therefore, it's all about doing good. So then, do or doing good to others, I should say. So doing good to others for the glory of God, um, which is kind of weird because you're, you know, a lot of people don't really see productivity, including God. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. Uh, my mind, you know, the scripture that talks about the days are evil. Yes. Um, I think it's Ephesians, right? But uh, let me look it up. But um, yeah, to me, like, you know, I think there is a, a sense of within the, the Bible about, you know, being efficient with your time. Yeah. Yeah. So he uh, ultimately says, he says, uh, only when you understand these foundational matters about your God-given purpose and mission Will you be ready to get to work? So this book is, he makes it very clear, this is not about quick fixes, uh, but but long-term change and, and the principles you have to have in place to, for that to be able to be done. I think one of the, the unique things that stuck out to me about the book was uh, he talks about uh, laziness and he has social media in there. And I was just like, okay, well, how is that, you know, how is that, what's the association? So he says, uh, when you ought to be working on your computer, 
you are only ever one or two clicks away from checking out your friends on Facebook or welcoming a few minutes of mindless entertainment on YouTube. Text messages provide a welcome distraction from deep thinking and binge watching the latest series on Netflix. Um, so basically, the, yeah, that can set you back a week. I mean, yeah, I get you know he's saying basically it's a really easy distraction. Yeah, because you're, you're you're surrounded by temptations uh, to laziness, um, and they may succumb far more often than you think. Mm-hmm. So I, I never, you know, I guess I'm looking at my own workflow. You're looking, you're probably thinking about your own workflow. Um, I know I'm distracted. I'm thinking it's distractions, um, you know, seeing what the latest post is if somebody's inboxing you because I take my notifications off. Yeah. Well, I have off of, off so, of most of my apps. I don't I don't have any notifications on. So I guess it messes me up because now I check it often because I don't get notifications. Yeah. See, I'm I've only turned I have, my phone's always on silent, mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, but I'm also at work or whatnot. I'm usually listening to a podcast or something. So if I get a call, I usually don't miss a lot of calls when I'm at work. But mm-hmm. pretty much, phone's always on silent. But I would say I've also gotten rid of Facebook as the app. I only use, um, like I have it bookmarked. Mm -hmm. So I have to be intentional about going to the web page and looking for notifications as opposed to just seeing that, you know, number with a red circle on the app on my phone to be like, oh, I got to get rid of that. Um, You know, there's, and I mean, almost everything is my, you know, I'm sure everybody's phone, there's almost always some sort of notification that you could be swiping away or checking, you know, whether it's an app or, you know, some game you have on your phone telling you to come back and play. Um, so, I mean, my, my when he said it, I thought of Facebook can also be used as a tool. You know, look at it like for us with regards to this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a means to be productive at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I think my thought was you need to be really intentional with things like social media. How are you not allowing them to distract you? Mm-hmm. Versus, I mean... You were saying for me, well, my creative process being prep for this podcast, how easy is it to be like, I'm already on Facebook looking for those things I previously shared or looking at a link mm-hmm. to be like, oh, what's that notification? Oh, what's this message? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I want to talk. And Why like, is he posting that? Yeah. Like going down this rabbit hole, yeah. am I going to start getting in a Facebook comment argument mm-hmm. instead of, okay, focus at the task at hand? Yeah. And, and would you say that that's, the, that's kind of his point is like, do one thing at a time. When he's talking about laziness, he's actually talking about taking a lazy break as opposed to staying focused. Yeah, because, yeah, he was basically saying, like, yeah, being distracted is lazy. It's not just saying you don't want to do anything, but being distracted. Um, uh, He also talks about uh, busyness. So business may make you feel good about yourself and give the illusion of getting things done, but it probably Mm. just means that you're uh, directing too little attention in too many directions that you are prioritizing all the wrong things and that your productivity is suffering. So this is pretty profound to me because he's saying that um, do we know what to put our hands to and what not to put our hands to? And, and you know, we live in a culture where it's rise and grind. Um, you know, we kind of take that puffy Dame Dash mentality, um, Gary V, Vanderchuk mentality where it's just grind, grind, grind. Um, and the more you're doing, uh, the more you're looking like a mover and shaker and like mm-hmm. you're relevant or, or you're wanted or something like that. It's like a perception of like how people see you. Yeah. 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 And you're seeing, you see yourself, right? Because you know, we're a go, go, go culture. Well, and I mean, I know definitely 
you know, you can have those moments at work where you're like, I got to make sure my boss thinks I'm busy. Like in the sense of, you know, when you're working, you want people to perceive that you're working. Mm-hmm. Right. But then there's also the aspect of, I think what he was saying is getting focused on people perceiving you're working or like, via busyness as opposed to just being focused on actually working. Mm-hmm. Right. Like what's the worst possible thing? It's like, I know for me, sometimes at work, I'm, I'm sending an email cause on my phone and that's just maybe a little bit of a bad habit. I get the notification of the email on my phone. So I'm replying to an email on my phone, but in my mind I've thought, Oh, my coworker just walked past and probably thought I was wasting time on my phone mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm actually working. I just, for some silly reason, I decided to reply to the email on my phone or text someone on my phone as opposed to emailing them. Um, yeah. That's okay. So this next part, he talks about uh, the root of the problem in regards to like uh, the things that distract you from getting the job done. Because remember, the ultimate goal is doing good. Mm-hmm. So anything that's stopping you from doing good is essentially like a sin and a hindrance. Which mm-hmm. is kind of deep because I never, you know, I never really looked at, you know, the notification popping up on my Facebook feed or whatever on my Twitter is uh, a potential sin keeping me from uh, doing good for the glory of God. So he goes on to say, um, it is a problem that keeps you from doing the very work God has called you to in the short ter- in the short time he gives you here on earth which means that the absence of productivity or the presence of woeful diminished productivity is first a theological problem. It is a failure to understand or apply the truths God reveals in the Bible. And then he asks you kind of like to look at the things that hinder you from getting work done. Uh, so for me, it's like social media, um, sleeping in late, like liking sleep too much. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, it is, it is sometimes like my health, like, you know, I'm not taking care of myself so then my health ends up catching up to me and um, distracts me from doing what I'm supposed to be doing and getting things done. Now for, for the listener, um, do you think there's a, I mean, you know, for anyone who's not a Christian, Mm -hmm. my thought would be around the idea of what's good. What do you mean working for good? Mm -hmm. Well, what is, yeah. What is the good? Yeah. 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 Right, I mean, for the Christian and for the non-Christian, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I think, I think the principle when we, when he's talking about it, he's talking about it for within a Christian context. Yes. Um, and I think once we expound what that actually means for anyone who's not a Christian, the same thing can be applied if you take it outside of the theological context. Um, not to say that we should or have to, but but for those that are like, well, why why should I care? If right. they're not a believer. Well, but. well, a lot of times is, you know, you don't want to skip steps, but you have to think about um, what the ultimate good is. I know for if you're an unbeliever and you're like, okay, well, I'm doing this because I like it and they're an end and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think you're skipping steps. I think um, the first thing is like, at the end of the day, you know, good work's not done for God is done in vain. Mm. You know what I mean? And you're really just wasting your time. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's, um, you know, I know sound might sound crazy, but you know, good works of you know helping an old lady cross the street, feeding the poor, um, and so forth, um, giving back to your community is all done in vain. It's it's useless mm-hmm. at the end of the day because you will still mm-hmm. burn in hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does a profit man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? 
Mm-hmm. So before you, you get to um, scheduling your day, um, you need to uh, schedule your life for eternity. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I'm really thinking about, okay, wait a minute. What am I putting my hands to because I can die tomorrow? Then what good was this um, volunteer venture? You know what I mean? Like, think about, like, you know, you did a great work today and you died at the end of the day and now you're standing before the judgment seat and saying, hey, look, you know, I volunteered at the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that wasn't part of the plan. That's not how it works. No. You know, well, so- and, I, and I would say there's there's two verses I want to quote. One of them I referenced earlier. But so one that I think is directly related right now to what you're talking about would be uh, Colossians three twenty three. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Uh, and then verse 24 says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus, Lord Christ. Lord Christ. Right. Uh, and then the other one that, that kind of goes back to the, the time before is uh, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Mm-hmm. And so where I was wanted to go with it, one is, you know, I think that, that, that encompasses, you know, the first point with respect to using your time wisely, using your time efficiently, laziness, not being wise with your time, in essence, becomes sinful. Um, the second part, though, then gets into what I like about this is whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. But I think we can, one, expound the point with respect to work. But I think you can also extend that beyond work uh, into whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Like, as for the Lord, mm-hmm. right? In the sense that when you play sports, you know, can you play hockey? Can you play basketball? Can I play hockey, I guess? <laughs> um, you know, can <laughs> we do it for, in a manner that is for the Lord? As opposed to... Um, you know, oh no, those, these things uh, are not, are kind of outside of that spectrum. And the reason I bring that up is mm-hmm. to say, you know, it comes back to your point about the Salvation Army, where, well, what? Did, how did you serve at the Salvation Army? Right. Because if you were at the Salvation Army, volunteering your time, cussing off your coworkers the whole time, telling them they're a bunch of losers, and just so totally disgruntled, it's like, you're... The act is not the service. Right. It's how you act. Right. And I think also, I think Tim Chalice makes a profound distinction in regards to good works. So for for the Christian, a lot of times we're working from a, a missional framework where we're saying, okay, you know, it, the ultimate goal is, you know, preaching salvation and that's it. But I think there's another ultimate goal that goes alongside that and that's good works. So he works for, he basically the whole book is premised on Matthew 5:16 and that says let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Now that passage is that good works and gl- giving glory to your father in heaven. That's not about salvation. Mm. So he's saying like the good works you do would make unbelievers say praise God even though they're not converted. So a lot of times is, you know, we, we make a distinction between the sacred and the secular. And we're saying, okay, um, a sacred work is, you know, preaching the gospel. A secular work is uh, doing something that's not preaching the gospel. Mm. Right? But there is no distinction between sacred and secular. All things are sacred before God. So, yes, you share the gospel, 
but then you also innovate and create and you serve. Um, that way you're bringing glory to God and that the unbelievers would be uh, blessed by your service and by your innovation. Is this kind of resonating with the idea of being a living testimony then? Uh, I can't really speak on that because I need to take a look into that. But essentially, um, what what he's saying is like the good works, again, we're, we're talking about scheduling your time and doing the ultimate good. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of transitions us into the next part of the book where it talks about uh, the great purpose behind uh, productivity and talking about um, your roles and your mission. So so everybody has... Um, a respons- responsibilities, right? Uh, you have church responsibilities, uh, family responsibilities, uh, podcast responsibilities, work responsibilities. And then within those responsibilities, you have roles. And within those roles or tasks, um, you know, that's kind of what, um, you know, what's taking up your time. So you kind of have to be able to, um, well, he's saying like, okay, well, you have to be able to sift through and find out which ones ultimately bring the most glory to God. So in the book, he he tells you to write down your responsibilities. Um, And then he says, okay, now write down your tasks Mm -hmm. or um, your roles within those responsibilities. And then, and then he's, he says, okay, now assign the mission for those responsibilities. So what's your mission for your family? What's your mission for your role at church? What's your mission for uh, the sixth sense report? Um, what's your, you know, your, your mission for coaching that team. Hmm. And now when you look at the mission, you're like, okay, how do these tasks slash responsibilities actually align with, with, with bringing, um, doing good for the glory of God, that people would look at those good works, not salvation, not telling them, you know, turn or burn, but wow. You know what, Joel, uh, your dedication to teaching my son how to skate. Um, you know, when, you know, taking your time out to, you know, make his day, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't understand the gospel, but, you know, I, know I thank God. I think, you know, I, if it's thank God, I have to say then thank you, Joel. Thank God for Joel and the work he's doing with my son. Yeah. As opposed to yelling at the kid cause he won't try harder. Well, no, I, uh, yeah, but <laughs> you know what I'm hands. getting at, right? Like you got, yeah. you, there's the. There's the, the the coach who doesn't stop yelling is kind yeah. of the picture I'm trying yeah. to paint. So I, I I thought this was revolutionary for me and in regards to, because, you know, once I started making the list for the Sixth Sense Report and I started looking at all the stuff I do and I'm like, oh, man. Oof, oof. And then I started looking at the stuff that I, you know, that I do with Tyra, you know, I'm looking at my, you know, my wife and I'm looking at church and then you're like in that. And then, you know, you got kind of you got school there and you're like, OK, whoa, whoa. OK, yes, this is. Yeah, it's very consuming. So he basically gives you like three questions to sift through those responsibilities. And for those people who are listening and following along and you're writing it down, so you're basically, you know, making your list of um, responsibilities and then you're making your your list of uh, tasks or roles within that. And then after that, you would make... Um, would you say you're reconciling it to the mission? No, 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 no. So again, like with those responsibilities, you know... You, above those responsibilities you're putting okay what what is the mission of all these responsibilities to see like okay wait which one gets priority mm, i see yeah which yeah which one of these responsibilities gets or even or like are am i on mission not even priority but am i on mission when i'm working with the success report is this really glorifying the god is mm. my time with my wife really glorifying the god is my personal time because that's another one of your um um, you know your um responsibilities you know your own personal time um your physical health your spiritual health mm-hmm. um 
you know, these are things. And so he, he, he poses these really good questions to kind of make you sift through a lucky way. I want to go back to that last statement because I think it's really good to, to flush out a bit uh-huh. in the sense of, you know, am I on mission with my personal time? Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, for all of us, it's easy to think of like stuff in the sense of just rest and relaxation, right? So personal time, there might be study, there might be rest and relaxation. But I think... You know, sometimes we just do things like, oh, it's personal time. I'll just scroll Facebook. and But like if you end up getting stressed out, you're getting in an argument, you're doing all these things with your personal time that actually cause you more, than, it causes you to need more personal time. Like you're, you're just, you're not being intentional with your personal time. And and consequently, you're you're hindering your productivity because the whole idea of your personal time should be that when you go back to to the time that is intentionally glorifying God or intentionally doing work, um, or doing good works, that you have more energy, that you have more ability to focus and be intentional, uh, as opposed to um, hindering your ability to do those things. Yeah. Right. So so these are the things that you know that's very helpful and I found very in, insightful about the book and, and trying to prioritize uh, what's important. So, and that's why, you know, anybody can just pick this up, uh, use it, and it would be extremely helpful. I think the three questions that he, uh, that he was posing is like in regards to sifting through your responsibilities, ask yourself this, are these the right and best things for me to be doing. Do these things fit my mission? Are there things I can do in this area that no one else can do? Am I especially gifted or talented in this area? Do I bring unique value to this? Is there someone else who could do this better than I can? Right, so those are things that you're kind of sifting through uh, your responsibilities and saying, okay, well, is this really um helpful uh you know that i'm not overburdening myself with with uh duties and things to do and i think it sounds like a little bit you're also saying like should this be reallocated right i mean i think you know within a work environment where you've got a team with you whether you're you know whether you're the lead of the team or you're part of a team you know you might be able to say wait a second this isn't the best use of my time. Whether it's because you're you're not very good at a particular task or someone else would be better suited for that task. Um, or maybe, because you the last thing you said was really interesting with respect to, um, or one of the questions, I guess, made me think about just, you know, how is my time allocated? And is this a good use of my time? And if the if if you have things within your your workload that is not a good use of your time, but still needs to get done, you're faced with a bit of a dilemma. Mm-hmm. And how does that? How do we achieve that? Right. So I don't know. Those that series of questions was real. I thought were really good ref, as a sort of like reflection to go. Yeah, you know, you might have to answer some questions in a way that's like yeah, this is not a good use of my time, mm-hmm. but I still have to do it, <laughs> which is like the worst possible answer to one of yeah. those questions, yeah. right? Like, oh, I still need to be the one to do this because there is nobody else. Right. 
but that's also how do you, you know, from a, a good stewarding of your funds, let's say you're running a business, you know, let's say this success report is an example, right? If there's a component of a task that we and you are doing mm-hmm. where you're like, we suck at this, but we still have to do it yeah. at to a certain standard. You know, ideally you want to grow to the point where you can hopefully pay someone else to do it mm-hmm. so that you can do your aspect where you're, the other question is like, where are you uniquely qualified to contribute? Right. Yeah. Cause it's all about energy. And if you're, you only have, you know, you have a limited amount of energy. You don't have unlimited amount of energy throughout the day. So you want to make sure that, yeah, like you said, you're, you're choosing the right, right, right things to put your hand to. Um, but he said he made a good point. Like, you know, like some things just have to be left undone and, mm. you know, that, that's just how it is. You know, like you can't say, okay, well I have to do this cause nobody's going to do this. Well, is it necessary? Cause sometimes it's not even necessary. Mm. And, and sometimes the OCD in some of us yeah. makes it difficult. Like yeah. now, to reference another book, mm-hmm. the, how to read a book you've said a few times on yes. the podcast, Yes, you know, the conclusion is not to read the whole book. Right. And like, I know for me, I'd be like, why would I, what, what do you mean? Don't read the whole book. There's like this OCD aspect where I'm like, but how do I say I read the book if I didn't read the whole book? Yeah, no, 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 totally. (laughs) Right. So then, so then he he gets into this next section about, uh, choosing your tools, selecting your tools for organization. And so Mm. the, the three key tools that we should have to stay organized are, dun, 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 uh, task management tool, an information tool and a scheduling tool, a task management tool. And then, you know, and he starts plugging all these apps, which is kind of cool. That's what makes this book uh, pretty dope because yeah, it's okay. You're getting into the theological aspect of why um, you, you, you know, the heart of why you're doing what you're doing, but then he gets to, okay, let's, let's, let's get to the tech. Let's get to the apps. Yeah, how, what apps? Like how do we be, use what, resources are available to right. us to be what more apps? efficient and uh, i you know and i like you know what i like how he, uh, what he writes he writes uh basically building up the history kind of starts from like okay well you know we had filing cabinets you know we have paper we have pen you know so you write this stuff down but now we have uh we have the todoist.com and we have um evernote and we have google calendar yes we had calendars before but not like this Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not where it can be streamed to every device you have right. instantly, as right. opposed to having to write it down in seven different places yeah. or take photocopies or yeah. So he's talking about like yeah, the nuances of of these apps. Mm. Um, but I never, I never really, you know, thought about a task management tool. Um, is that the Todoist? Yeah, the Todoist.com, and then which um, is basically a pun on to do list. But yeah, and then information tool, which is Evernote. Mm-hmm. And then scheduling tool is um, Google Google Calendar, and I guess you know before for me I'm everything's all in one. I, I I didn't think to put a task management and information tool. I would just do everything all in the one um, note the um, the notepad in my phone. Oh okay. I yeah I just I just use the notepad in my phone or I just use my email. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I just store stuff in my email. Yeah, yeah. Just your what you would say. Would you agree? Then you were essentially using tech at its in a simple manner, just kind of like okay, this will work. As opposed to, is this the is this option going to work as best for me? Right. But then part of it too is you start running into the problems of being intentional, um, and 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 trusting. He says, and trusting. Yes, you trust God, but then you got to trust the apps. You got to trust the process. Um, that you would rely on it 
um, when when life doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, mm-hmm. right? So that that's when it gets where you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, you you, you you're saving stuff here, you're saving stuff there, you're saving stuff here. Um, you have notes here, you have notes there, um, but you know, you're really just trying to consolidate them into three different places and use them accordingly. No matter what happens, just stick to the process and, and do it that way, right? Because he talks about motivation gets you started, um, but motivation won't keep you routined. Mm, yeah, and 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 I would say, you know, being an accountant, um, you know, the routine is an aspect of, you know, just the way things are. There's always a routine component to your like for an accountant, whether it's monthly or annually, where there's like, there's certain things that always got to get done. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, those things that always got to get done make, will generally be more efficient if there's a routine component to them. Whether that's okay, every Tuesday I focus on this particular task because I know everything I need for that task is already done. And now I can, you know, be really diligent, get it all done, as opposed to, oh, if I did it on Fridays, I would get 90% done. And now I got to wait till this other piece from someone else gets completed. And so that routine component starts, I think it's a bit of scheduling so that when you devote your time to something, you can get it completed. But as well, you're, you're kind of coordinating going like, okay, where is everything that I, you know, what need, what, what are my needs? And once all those particular needs are met, then I know I can jump to that task. Um, as well as not forgetting about it. Because if every Tuesday you're doing the same particular thing, you're not going to, the end of a, a week, you're not going to go, oh man, I totally forgot that task that, I was, that I'm responsible for this week. Right. Yeah, so, so again, these are important things that um, we have to try to balance. And part of it too is like for the Christian... Uh, He's he's saying, you know what? Yes, you have these responsibilities, but you have to make sure you factor in your spiritual responsibilities of prayer and reading, and you and you have to keep that alongside of um, the things that you're doing because, you know, for the unbeliever, I know it sounds ridiculous, but this might be a paradigm shift for you. But for the Christian, they will die. Mm. And you know, Tim doesn't say that, but I will say that. Yeah, you would die if you're not reading and praying. You know, you're doing everything. You know, you're doing everything well. You know, you're making money, you're making moves, but you're not reading and praying. You will spiritually die. Mm-hmm. Going and then, the and then what good? And then what good? What good is all that all all that productivity? So you're really, you know, everything is revolving around your reading and praying rather than everything revolving around um how much money is in your bank account? And yeah, and um, you know, your meetings and 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 sales and so forth. So, th- so th- that's why you know, for the Christian, it's it's a different world. It's a different experience. Um, it's a different good than what unbeliever might deem good. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, another theological aspect getting into planning is interruptions. Mm. Like yes, 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 you're disciplined, and yes, you got a schedule, and yes, you're sticking to it. But then the interruptions and how are you viewing those interruptions? And basically, um, you know, God's providence. And a lot of people see, you know, especially you know. Do you understand the idea of God's providence and God's providence meaning, um, you know, God being sovereign in control of everything. Um, at the same time, you know, human freedom acting within that. And what ends up happening is things happen, you know, just things out of your control. You can't control, um, you know, when things don't go your way. 
So I, I think it's just one of those deep aspects where you're like, yeah, we ha- we have to know this. We have to wrestle with this. And then he has a quote from C.S. Lewis, and it says, the great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life, the life God is sending one day by day. What one calls one's real life is a phantom of one's own imagination. So essentially he's saying like, you know, like you really have to understand that reality is God's in control and things don't go your way. So you really have to toe the line um, between, um, and this is, again, this is another deep theological aspect. You know, you're working at work and you have a project that you need to set your mind on and your boss says, no, I need you to come do this. Or somebody says, okay, I need you to come do this. So now you're you're towing the the the, the tightrope between the fear of man and pride. Mm. Okay, am I being uh, am I being uh, the the fear of man by saying yes to my boss? Or am I being prideful by saying uh, no? No. And there's balance between. The two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's balance. So so this isn't you know it's one of those nuances that these are things that you have to wrestle with. So again, um, yeah, this book is awesome. I recommend it. Um, one more thing, I, I I would give another nugget. Like I'm just you know, giving away the book. But basically he has this thing about um, where he says he has this paradigm or this principle uh, called serve and surprise. Serve and surprise. So it's all about excelling at your role. So yes, you serve your wife, but how do you excel at serving your wife? Hmm. You surprise her. Uh Uh-oh, ladies love that. Click share. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I like, you know, it's funny. I have this. It's just the way that uh, there's a movie. I don't remember what it's called, but it's with I think it's Anthony Hopkins, the old white guy, and this young black guy, who's like he's mentoring him or he's a student or something. And he goes, "The key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift." And I've I've kind of brought that into my marriage in in really one simple way. And that is my wife gets flowers when she doesn't expect it, but on days she'd expect it, I don't bring flowers. Mm-hmm. And and not, not to say like, oh, I'm intentionally not bringing her flowers on Valentine's Day, but like I might give her flowers oh, two weeks before Valentine's Day. Or like the idea being like, you know, whatever the norm is, like why do I just want to, why do I only want her to get flowers mm-hmm. when she's expecting to mm-hmm. get flowers? Mm-hmm. Like I'm just going to come home with flowers randomly one day. Yeah. Because yeah. then she'll appreciate flower. Like, you know, as opposed to appreciating it because I did what I'm supposed to do. Right. Right. And, but, and, and I think that I thought that was very profound and beautiful because like, yes, yes. You know, we apply that to our, our wives and our, and our families. Um, but also, you know, within service and ministry, you know, you, you know, you're teaching, um, you know, Bible study and, you know, you know, you bring coffee for everybody. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, just just simple gestures like that, like um, excelling at your role by surprising the people you are serving, not just meeting the basic need, but going above the call of duty as Christ has done for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not just um, a judge who has declared us um, not guilty, but he's also the great physician who has healed us. Right. So we were sick and now we're better. So so these are are, are, are the things that you know, we learn from the scriptures and, and being able to have a, a a full theology of being um, 
doing more better um, and being um, scheduled and being productive in a biblical way. So I, I thought this book was really good. Okay, um, I so would recommend I, you get it. I want to wrap up with two questions. Okay. For the listener who's like, dude, I don't got no time to read books. <laughs> like, you know, you got two kids under two, whatever it is, right? Like, sure, we get it. There's seasons of life. What would you say is like the Coles notes, major takeaways? I mean, you might've already said these things, but yeah. like, what would be the things that you're like, okay, implement this and this, or, or, you know, one or two things, maybe it's even five points that, that you would say, okay, here's the key takeaway. And the second question then would be, you know, for the, for the listener, um, who's considering getting this book, what would you say is like the big reason why they should get the book? Okay. Yeah, for the, so for the person who doesn't have time to read uh, but wants to be organized, uh, I would say the best thing you can do is set aside time and read the book. <laughs> like there is no – because that's why you're yeah. – that, well, And it's that's a 100-page book. book. Yeah, it's, it's a 100-page book, book. And that's why, that's why you're in the situation uh, you're in. Like you know what I mean? And, and, and Tim Chally says in the start of the book, it's not a quick fix. And he even says in the book, like, yo, you, I know you're going to try to skip chapter one and two and three. I know you're going to try to skip it and go straight to the apps. Don't do it. That's not, <laughs> there's no quick fix to this. So, you know, sorry, man. <laughs> I can't help cool. you. But there, but there is an audio book. Get True. the audio book. There, there you, you go. go. So while you're washing dishes or, you know. Um, yeah, you can or, listen or, to or, it over and over or, yeah, and over. Or, or doing your bench press. You could do it. You could do that. Um, and for the person who wants to pick up the book, um, the reason why you should get it is because it's the godly thing to do. <laughs> to support Tim Challies because he's a godly guy. Yeah. No, Tim Challies is cool. He's got a really <laughs> No, but I I mean when I I'm cool in that he has a peculiar peculiar story where he's at the place right now um personally where he has issues with his arms and so he's basically having to do audio dictation to write his books and write his blogs. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and so in that sense I would say, you know, support him. Yeah. Um, because he's, you know, he's he's got a struggle that he's going through, but he's still producing high quality content. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's, I would say the Lord's still using him. So, yeah. and then other than, you know, you know, supporting Tim Challies, you know, being godly is a, is a good motivation and, and, and reevaluating what is good. Um, because even like I would even add to the book that, you know, Jesus talks about rejoicing, um, leaping for joy for, uh, the rewards that you will get in heaven. Mm. So when does eternity start? Eternity starts now. Now. So, you know, you want to store up gifts and you want to be excited about the things Jesus is telling you to be excited about, the rewards you'll get in heaven. If you're not concerned or excited about the rewards you'll get in heaven, that means, um, you know, you're not on the right mission. And you and Jesus might not be on the same page in this aspect. This isn't about salvation. You know, you're doing these things to be saved, but, um, you know, you're doing these things to glorify God. So the rewards aspect is just like a kid wins a spelling bee and gets a trophy. Um, he he loves the trophy because of what it represents, not for the trophy in and of itself. And and it's the same thing when we come before God. The rewards we get aren't going to be something we rejoice in, but it's symbolic of uh, the work that God has, the good that God has done through us while we were on earth. Mm-hmm. So that is what's going to make us joy. So again, we want to realign our affections with God when we're doing good works. So yeah, get the book, Do More Better, a productive, a practical guide to pr- productivity by Tim Challies. And where can people find Tim Challies? TimChallies.com? Yeah, in his blog. And so I'm sure he'll yeah. have his book on there if you can't find it on uh, you know, Amazon or, or anywhere else. All right. See you guys next time. <laughs>